0: The first reading comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. We found on page 723, 723 of your Bibles and on the screens in front of you. So, Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: What might you be doing? at three o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Day. Perhaps it's only if you're fairly old that you might know the answer to that. Well, unless she's changed the time, it's the Queen's, not the King's, the Queen's speech. When our Queen appears and shows various things from her year before, no doubt Kate and William and George will be there and other members of the family and other events. But she normally, or usually, ends what she has to say by talking about her faith. She points to Jesus Christ as her saviour and the saviour of the world. And this reading this morning is about a man, John the Baptist, who points. He points to the past, to prophets of old, Isaiah being one of them, many hundreds of years before. He points to the present to those people before him who are following him who need to change their lives. And he points to the future, to Jesus, the light of the world and its saviour. So here we go. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
2: So we're in Advent, we're in Advent second week in Advent, the second candle has been lit. Advent, a time of preparation which had been uh, going on as far as uh, God's story was concerned for generations and generations. So the first candle representing the family of Jesus stretching back through, um, I think it's about 21 generations. And then the second candle the prophets, those who were the messengers of God, speaking of the one who would come. And we come to Advent, taken from the Latin, meaning to approach, to come to, to arrive. The arrival of God in our midst. Advent is, in effect, our new year when we open our hearts once again for the coming of God in Jesus. We're going to be looking at the Isaiah prophecy. Um, Words will come up on the screen as I uh, refer to it. Um, And if you want to follow in the Bibles, it's uh, page 723, so you can have the the text in front of you. Starting at verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level and the rugged places are plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. Just imagine you're in a far-flung part of the Persian Empire and you've just heard that the king, the emperor, the most powerful man in the world is coming to your town to visit. Quick, quick, better get sorted out. Make some preparations. Better... Um, uh, plant some parks and uh, sort out the roads and the, uh, and the waterworks and uh, 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 fill up the holes in the pavement and put out the bunting and give everybody a new suit and give them something to eat so they're feeling happy when the most powerful man in the world arrives. But of course, there are no motorways then. Excuse me. <coughs> so how is he going to come? You need to create a big highway for his, uh, his whole panoply, his chariot and his, uh, all his troops and all his retinue to come across the wilderness to. Build a highway across the wilderness. Every valley must be raised up with an embankment, and every mountain and hill made low with a cutting, and the rough ground and the rugged places smoothed out for his chariot's wheels. And how fantastic when the glory of the king is revealed." Well, that's our first Advent theme, one of the first of the four great themes of Advent. And it's the one we like best, getting ready. It's so exciting. But it wasn't just the Persian king or the Roman emperor who was coming to Bethlehem, but the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. His engineers had been out in advance, building expectation, making peace across the empire building physical and emotional roads for the gospel to cross, preparing the way. But God's people had to do, play their part too to prepare the way from their end, praying, repenting, seeking justice. Just imagine what it would be like if the Queen were coming to St. Jude's next Sunday. How excited we would be I think there would be a good deal of preparation going on. Not just lights on the tree, but we'd have to get some spectacular baubles as well. I think quite a few people would come up to me and say, Michael, don't you think there's time for us to do something about that peeling paintwork up there? They might even say, and here's some money to do it with. I think there'd be a lot of tidying going on, a lot of hoovering and polishing. I think uh, there might be a few people standing guard over the toilet saying, no, you can't go in there. I've just cleaned that one for the Queen. But it's not just the Queen who's coming here in two and a half weeks' time. It's not just Barack Obama. It's not any of the other powerful people in the world. It's the supreme ruler of the world and Lord of our hearts who is coming this day is every day, this Christmas as every Christmas. And it's not our walls and our toilets that he's most interested in. It's the state of our hearts, our homes, our relationships, our fellowship. So don't let's get distracted with the externals of our Christmas celebration, tinsel and baubles and lavish food and expensive presents the heart of the Christmas celebration is faith in Jesus. Faith renewed and relationships restored. It's generosity and humility and joy. For the King of Kings didn't come to be fated by the Bethlehemites. He came to rebuild and renew his world. The Lord of Lords, Comes into our lives afresh at Christmas to leave a lasting legacy of salvation. Which is the second of our great Advent themes hope. Verse 9 You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. It's a big hope that God brings. Big enough for all the problems of our nation. A a hope big enough for Syria and Iraq and the Middle East. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her prison sentence has been completed. And it's a personal hope. Unlocking our own individual troubles. Verse 11 He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. When the emperor came, the citizens knew that he would sort out all of their international problems, he would conquer, he would defeat their enemies which is why the disciples got so confused because they thought that Jesus was coming to deal with their most obvious enemy, the Romans. They didn't realize that he'd come to fight a far greater, more personal, more powerful enemy, of whom the Romans were only the latest and most recently hired servants. Jesus came to destroy the power of sin and death, of alienation with God and all the misery and wretchedness that that brings, so that he could create a new world of love and joy and peace. As Jesus said, quoting 20 chapters later in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, he said he had come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the freedom for captives and release from solitary confinement in the dark to proclaim the year of the lord's favor to comfort all who mourn giving them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair and christ comes to do all of those things for us each time we gather together are you broken hearted Are you sitting in the darkness of grief or despair? He comes to bring you light. Gently bind up your emotions and give you strength again. Are you bound in bad habits? Can't break out of them? Jesus comes with the key to open that huge door with its bolts and its bars and its chains and its padlocks. Has everything turned to ashes around you? Do you look into the mirror and you can't think what anybody would see? Jesus comes to bring you a crown of beauty, his beautiful wedding garment of praise. Jesus picks you up and he carries you close to his heart as a shepherd carries a lamb, as a mother carries carries a baby. Well, maybe some of you have been waiting a long time to hear those words and and to know the truth of them. And that's the third great Advent theme, waiting. The Jews waited for centuries for their Messiah to come, and even then they didn't recognize him. Mary had to wait for nine months carrying that hope. Anna and Simeon were waiting in the temple Temple for decades to see the hope of Israel. On Easter Saturday, the disciples waited, plunged in grief, not knowing that resurrection was just around the corner. And then, after the resurrection, after the ascension, they waited in joy for the coming of the Holy Spirit to fill them with power and to give them the new ministry that will be theirs for Jesus. We wait for Christ to come into our hearts afresh to bring us comfort and to empower us to serve him. We wait, heartsick perhaps, but with hope. We groan that our hope is so long in the coming, but we know that it will come, at exactly the right time. As the psalmist said, weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. However, there is also a fourth theme to Advent. We see it in verse 10. It's the theme of judgment. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. The king's arrival will also be the day of reckoning. The sword of the king is double-edged. He comes to defend, but also to punish, to reward the faithful, and to pay back the rebels. There's so much about this in the, in the Bible. Jesus' whole last block of teaching in Matthew's Gospel is about just this, about judgment. The parables of the fig tree, the two sons, the laborers in the vineyard, the wedding invitations, the wise and foo- foolish virgins, they're all about this, about some people who are ready and waiting and some people who weren't about some who were longing for the coming of the King, some who were faithful, and some who were anything but. God has entrusted his gospel to us. He's given to each of us a life to live for him. He's been away, but he's coming back. Are we taking his homecoming seriously, or are we frittering the time away? Are we giving it everything we've got, Or are we hoping the problem will go away? But in the end, that audit of our lives will not actually be about what we've achieved, but it will be about how much we have loved and how much we have trusted Jesus. So here we are in Advent, waiting patiently for our hope to come. Getting ready to celebrate and to speed that coming, preparing our accounts for the audit that is upon us. In Advent we pray for the, we prepare for the coming of God. He has come, He is here, He will come again. And so finishing with the words with which I began, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. Thus saith the Lord. Finish with the traditional Anglican prayer for this Sunday. Heavenly Father, who sent your Son to redeem the world, and will send him again to be our judge, Give us grace so to imitate him in the humility, purity and compassion of his first coming, that when he comes again, we may be found ready to greet him. With joyful love and with steadfast faith, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.